Hello everyone and uh, welcome to Blockchain Hustles in Conversation. My name is Meenu and I am a technology evangelist. I help founders in the blockchain space. I help these founders to uh, evangelize their technology, their product, their portfolio and uh, help to build up their communities and scale up their ecosystem. And I do have a blockchain hustle podcast. I mean, the podcast is called Blockchain Hustle, and it is available on the usual platforms like uh, YouTube, on Podbean, on Apple, Google, and uh, Audible. And I would strongly recommend you to go check it out. And if you do like it, hit the like, share, subscribe. So good for the promotion. Now let's get on to the guest in today's session. And our guest today is Vanina Ivanova, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Empire. Welcome, a very warm welcome to you, uh, Vanina. Hi, Minu. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. So where are you calling in from? I'm currently calling in from Sofia, Bulgaria, uh, where we're having a very snowy, uh, icy day. <laughs> uh, as I like to joke, the worst July ever. Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, I'm here. The, the core team of Ambire, previously Addicts Network, is based in, in Bulgaria. So I'm, uh, I'm here at the office today. So when you said snow, because I'm calling in from Singapore, since so uh, the weather is pretty opposite to that. It's warm. Oof, I am a little bit jealous, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> uh, we, we woke up yesterday to a snowfall, a heavy snowfall, and uh, today we have a very white city, very uh, also very um, cold. But, you know, it's winter, so I can't really complain about that. <laughs> good, good, good. So let's just start uh, this session. If I can request you to share a bit about yourself, your background, and then you can give a very small snapshot of what Empire is about. And uh, later we will move on to uh, cryptocurrencies, wallets, and uh, basically on the future of the obstacles and the challenges in mass adoption and uh, the different types of wallets. And then we will lead on to uh, Empire's wallet. So that's kind of more or less the uh, flow, if that works with you. Absolutely, absolutely. Ambaya is the new name of Addicts Network. Uh, previously, uh, my team and I were working on a blockchain-based advertising network, a network that connects advertisers and people who have advertising space for sale directly and provided uh, transparency for the reporting or because it's, it's, because it's based on the blockchain. Um, as a crypto native team, uh, we use cryptocurrency a lot and we use a lot of different wallets and we know what the challenges are of, of these wallets and what we dislike and what we would like to have in our hands. But since there is no solution uh, available on the market that we would really love to use, we did what we usually do, decided to create our own. So this is how um, the idea of our wallet was born. And when we when we decided to, to create a wallet, uh, we figured out that five years into this adventure, uh, it's time to do a little rebrand and switch things up. Because Addicts Network was the name of our ad platform uh, and it suits the platform well, but not 
the company where it is today mm -hmm. uh, because we're pivoting to a new product, to a new market uh, in a way. So we decided that it's the right time to rebrand. And this mm -hmm. is how we became Ambire. So now we have Ambire Addicts for the app platform, and we also have Ambire Wallet, an exciting new cryptocurrency wallet that is currently in beta, and we're mm -hmm. launching for uh, for everyone very, very soon, and we're very excited about it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's uh, what we're doing. I've been with the company since day one. Um, so that's my background is in, in fintech and gambling. I've done marketing for, for those areas for the um, IT uh, and software development industry as well. And that's how I transitioned into blockchain in 2016. It was a very exciting time for blockchain. It was a buzzword. Everybody was talking about it. We had very little idea what we were getting into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, five years later, the adventure continues and we continue building and we continue creating amazing stuff with this new and emerging technology. Yeah, yeah. And it's like every time you peel off something, you find something else and there's always something new and new to learn about. Absolutely. When we when we started working on Addicts Network five years ago, um, we had, I, I like to revisit our first, the very first version of the white paper that we had. Because back then, it was amazing. It was great. With this white paper, we managed to raise an amazing amount of money to build our product. Um, but when I look at it today, I wonder, why did we do this or that? Why, like, this makes no sense. Why did we decide to go that way or this way? And then I remember, yeah, because that technology didn't exist five years ago. Things yeah. have developed so quickly. And yeah. it's been so dynamic and so fast-paced that it's insane but for someone who likes to learn and and create and discover new things it's probably the best time in technology uh i mean at least of my lifetime so yeah, far. yeah 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 that's good good uh so uh before we start on to this point about the your view your perspective on the future of cryptocurrencies at the wallet position there, the place uh, where they, uh, sorry, the space where they play. Could you just give a brief understanding for, let's say, a layman on the street as well as somebody who could be a little bit more fluent in the crypto and the wallets? Definitions, I mean, from both perspectives, if you could just give an understanding, share an understanding of what a crypto wallet or a DeFi wallet are. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, to to uh, circle back to your first question, the, the future of cryptocurrency, uh, I would like to make a disclaimer first that I am not a financial advisor or financial analyst, so what I say should be taken with a pinch of salt. Uh, this is just my own opinion, um, but uh, I think that cryptocurrency solves a lot of issues in a lot of markets that are underserved and underbanked. It provides stabilities in uh, stability in areas uh, with insane inflation, like Latin America, for example. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in many ways, cryptocurrency is a safe haven for a lot of people around the world uh, mm -hmm. today. It gives an, an additional layer of, of freedom. I wouldn't go as far and say anonymity as well, because it's not as anonymous as we mm -hmm. may think it is. Yeah. yeah, it is traceable as long as you know how to trace it back. 
but it gives uh, a layer of, uh, of freedom and it gives us back a layer of ownership that we didn't have before. Because with traditional financial, uh, financial services like banking or payment apps, you have any custody of your funds it is up to the bank or to the app uh, owners or you know the organization that holds your money to decide whether you do actually have your a access to the money and that asks that makes me ask the question is this really my money if i can't access it whenever i want however i want no it's not i mean as long as the bank can say no you cannot make this transaction then it's not really my money is it uh, which is not the case with cryptocurrency with cryptocurrency as long as you hold your credit keys and you as long as you have access to your crypto wallet you can make whatever you want to do uh, with your money so that is uh, this is a, a freedom that we didn't have for a long time we had lost it uh, uh, and we didn't have it for a very long time and it's good to see that crypto is giving that back to us however there are a lot of challenges that we need to overcome until crypto becomes mainstream yeah uh, we have on, on one hand we have technological challenges on the other hand we have the challenge of perception a lot of people who have never dealt with crypto still have the perception of it being something weird and something sketchy they don't understand it they think that it's a, a means of laundering money or you know, funneling money to uh, organize crime or whatever, uh, thanks to media campaigns that we've seen, unfortunately, which is, I mean, it's not the case, but that's the perception of, of crypto for uh, a great chunk of people. Um, but it's things are beginning to change with more institutional investors getting into crypto, uh, with you know, big names like Elon Musk and JP Morgan uh, talking about crypto, uh, and governments trying to regulate it. I think this is getting more and more people interested in crypto, and this is getting the uh, the attention of of a, a part of the population that would otherwise never think to look into that. Yeah, they've got that and I, highlighted it. Exactly, exactly. And I, and I think that this is great. Um, we have, you know, we have this young generation of people who are very much into technology and very much into new things and cryptocurrency, uh, and they jump right in. Uh, but we also have the generation of our parents who are, you know, because of us and because of everything that they hear and see in the media, uh, are also getting interested and asking how can we get uh, a chunk of that wealth that is being generated out there? How can we invest in crypto? How can we transact in crypto? And this is uh, and this is where um, wallets kick in, because just as with traditional money, we need somewhere to keep them. Whether we keep them in our pockets, or in our wallet, or in our purses, we need a place to uh, store uh, cryptocurrency. So this is where crypto wallets uh, kick in. And right now we have a large variety of wallets available on the market. We have the Coinbase wallet, we have the MetaMask, which is one of the most popular crypto wallets. Uh, we have a, a, a really a, a very big choice. But the, the problem most wallets have is that they come from a place of technology where we're kind of used to uh, talking in in a language that is incomprehensible for the regular person. We talk about nonces and gas limits and stuff like that, that if you tell that to someone on the street, they would just look at you as if you lost your mind um, and wonder what the hell are you talking about? 
Uh, and that's a little bit sad, and that's a problem of the industry that we, the industry, created in a way. Mm -hmm. Because we just, I think we weren't thinking far ahead, uh, and we weren't thinking of adoption at such a large scale. Um, mm -hmm. But we are now, and things mm -hmm. are beginning to change. And this is why my team and I started working on Ambar Wallet. This is a wallet that basically lets you uh, use uh, cryptocurrency as if you are using, I don't know, US dollars or euros or whatever currency you're used to. Yeah. So we're trying to kind of like bridge traditional online banking and traditional financial and fintech apps uh, that people are used to, to the world of crypto and kind of like give people the same interface, give people the same feeling uh, the same ease of use that they would have in with any other traditional uh, fintech app. So, um, sorry, Belinda, I just wanted to interrupt you. So is it more to what you're saying is, is it more to the interface that we're talking about for the wallets or is it something more, I mean, what is, why do you think, I, I can understand a person on the street may be a little wary because of the technical jargon that you just mentioned, right? The gas fees and uh, other stuff. And uh, one is that he doesn't understand. The second is because of the virtual thing and uh, the KYC, etc. The money laundering things coming to the picture. So people are pretty cynical on that. To make it easier, what you're talking about is that uh, you've done an interface to make it a little bit more user-friendly, easier for them to uh, dip their hands into crypto. Indeed, indeed. But it's not just that. Uh, we yeah. have actually done a lot of technological development under the hood that okay. would make transacting in crypto faster, easier and cheaper. Okay. Uh, and up until now, uh, again, this is a communications issue. Up yeah. until now, mm -hmm. we, the people in blockchain, kind of tried to educate everybody about blockchain and explain to them what a hash is, what a block is, how it works, yada, yada, yada. And this is, first of all, it's boring. Second of all, it's com complex and it's confusing to most people who are not into the Spain. When you try and give somebody US dollars, you don't explain to them how the federal policy works and how money is printed and how it's kept. You don't do that because we're used to it. And I understand, yeah, I understand the reasoning behind it. You know, blockchain and crypto is very new. So it kind of asks for an additional explanation. Mm. Uh, we have we are now at a stage where instead of explaining stuff to people, we mm. need to simplify it to yeah. to the general uh, to the general mm. user to the everyday mm. user. So we need mm. to make things that work uh, mm. quietly uh, and seamlessly under the hood and give people an interface that uh, stays on top of that uh, complexity and makes things simpler and easier to understand. Just a couple of years ago, if you wanted to get crypto, you had to either mine it or you had to go to a crypto exchange or you had to do an OTC trade. And that was confusing. Like, for example, my mother, who is in her late 60s, she would have had no way of getting crypto. She wouldn't have known where to start from, right? <laughs> Today, you can go into a crypto wallet and take, your, take out your credit card and buy cryptocurrency with your credit card just convert mm -hmm. your your dollars into bitcoin mm -hmm. or ether or whatever just like any other currency yeah and that's amazing you know it's insane yeah. that we've gotten so far in in such a short time uh mm -hmm. and it's great that it's bringing more people to crypto but again you know with with more people that we bring we need simplified user experience and we we need a better user journey and that's something that we didn't have 
until Ambar Wallet, if I may say so myself. <laughs> even even for us, as I said, even for us as crypto native people, we deal with cryptocurrency every single day and we do so many different things with our crypto. We participate in decentralized finance and DeFi protocols. We do governance. We transact and pay each other in crypto, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But even to, uh, to to my team and I, existing wallets are confusing. People get confused. What is a private key? What is a public key? What is this thing uh, that it's asking me to confirm? Why do I need to sign five times to execute a simple transaction? Etc. Etc. These are all things that are very, very complex, and they require a very steep learning curve. And we're trying to eliminate that complexity and eliminate that that learning curve, while delivering the same level of security and the same um, pace of the service that people expect. So, so this is a direction that, and it's not just us. I see that a lot of other wallets are actually trying to get into the the same paradigm, and work into the same direction because it's just what the market needs. It's the necessity of, of the market in order to ensure adoption of of, yeah. these, of these services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Uh... That, that indeed is true because otherwise it just remains in the hands of the selected few because I guess that's one of the things of technology. Uh, people get so engrossed in it that uh, we marvel at the things within that realm, but we do not pay so much of attention to the advantages. Uh, I mean, people are bothered more about, I mean, they want the benefits that the tech brings in rather than understanding what technology is, as we said, under the code, etc., right? So, exactly. Yeah. We need to communicate. We need to communicate the benefits of, of crypto rather than yeah. the features of the crypto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, why why would I switch to crypto? What happens if like okay, disintermediation, but how does it help me? I would get, let's say, a faster service, I would get a cheaper service, or XYZ, right? So that's where we would go about it. Uh, yeah, and that fear is always there, I guess, what you also kind of shared about people in, let's say, your mother's uh, 60 years, in the 60s, right? So they are, they would, people are apprehensive. Even some of the youngsters would be apprehensive about using something new, if, uh, especially because these transactions are something which are irreversible, right? So if it goes into the wrong address or something like that, then you're always wondering, oh, did I do something wrong? Exactly, exactly. But the thing is, we're kind of used to traditional instruments that we have uh, in our hands, and we don't really stop to think that if you Venmo someone um, money and you send the money to, the, if you Venmo the wrong person, again, you can't really get this money back. You have to ask the person to give it back, and it's up to them to decide whether to Venmo you back or no. So in a sense, we already have this understanding. We're just used to it. And I, I like I always like to give the example of credit cards. Yeah. They're a relatively new thing. Yeah. Just, you know, a, a few years ago, well, not a few, but like, I don't know, 20-ish years ago, credit cards were not really that big of a thing. They were not, I mean, maybe in the States, but outside of the United States, they weren't really that popular. And people didn't trust them and didn't use them and didn't know how it worked. And now everybody has at least one credit card that they use on a daily basis. And they're so used to it that they don't even stop to question how exactly does it work? What's yeah. the process that happens under the hood for my money to get to where it needs to go? And for me to receive the service uh, that mm. I'm receiving, 
everything. And I think we're going, we're on the same path uh, with, with crypto as well, because we're trying mm -hmm. to democratize it, as you said. We're trying to make it less, um, less elite and more egalitarian, more accessible. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, to anyone that would like mm. to use crypto because yeah there are still a lot of challenges and yeah mm. using crypto is still slow and expensive mm. uh, as you said it's also irreversible and there are a lot of things that we need to consider mm. but we're definitely on the right track i think and mm. we're getting a lot more both young and and older people excited mm. uh and um yeah, you're right that a lot of people are, are still a little bit suspicious towards crypto. Mm -hmm. um, again, there's a lot of in a lot of jurisdictions, there's many media campaigns and, and PR campaigns against crypto. Take China, for example. China bans crypto every other week. I don't know what their deal is. I don't know what the government of China is thinking. But, you know, the, every other week there's a new news piece that they're banning crypto again. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, India is also a little bit on the fence, like they allow it and then they ban it and then allow it again and ban it again. So we still have a lot of a lot of com uh, countries where using crypto is a little bit of a gray area. Here mm -hmm. in the European Union, uh, I think people are, you know, the, the, the European Commission and the European Union have figured out that there's a lot of money in crypto and it's better that they kind of get a piece of that pie and regulate it and tax it rather than ban it uh, right so that's what they're doing now with uh, with the new micro regulation uh, the United States are trying to regulate crypto as well uh, then we have countries like Singapore um, Malta uh, Gibraltar Switzerland that are Estonia as well that are very crypto friendly um, Portugal is one of the Portugal is one of the countries that is super super ahead uh, in terms of taxing and and considering crypto uh, a legal tender an actual currency. El Salvador is one of the recent uh, examples. Uh, they are yeah, Bitcoin is now legal tender in El Salvador, and the government is bagging Bitcoin. Yeah, with any technology, new technology the regulations etc would come in parallel or would follow the, the scenario so i think that comes with any technology that's there absolutely and i think you know a, a lot of uh, the, the, there's a, a big understanding in crypto that regulation is is uh, not necessarily a good thing uh, to me personally it is a good thing because regulation will will help us with adoption i know that yeah, we, don't, we don't need the Exactly. I mean, we don't need the regulation per se uh, for the actual uh, processes that go in, into crypto and blockchain, but we need it for, for the, to gain the public's trust. Mm -hmm. So this is something that will help us uh, get get the bigger adoption. And then obviously the more adoption we have, the mm -hmm. more technological developments there will be in the space, the more mm -hmm. we will be trying to figure out better and better and better ways to use crypto. So yeah. that's a good thing. Ultimately, that's to me, that's a good thing. So getting back onto the wallets, Verena. So what are the different types of wallets which are there in today's uh, market landscape? Um, well, the two main types are basically custodial and non-custodial wallets. Okay. The non-custodial wallets are the ones where you as a user do not mm -hmm. hold the key, the private key for the wallet. That could be, mm -hmm. for example, your account at an exchange, a crypto exchange. 
okay. where you um, it's similar to how a bank works. For example, you have your let's say Bitcoin in on an exchange, mm -hmm. and then if you want to withdraw mm -hmm. that Bitcoin or convert it to fiat or do anything with that with mm -hmm. that um, fiat, the exchange holds the money for the the Bitcoin for you, yeah. so they can you still send that exchange with your. Uh... Exactly. So the exchange, the exchange can still say no, you cannot withdraw this amount of money to your bank account or yes, you will withdraw, but we need to provide information about it to the um, authorities so that you pay your taxes, etc, etc. So this is one, of, one type of, uh, of wallets and I do not recommend this type of wallets because again, it, it doesn't make any sense to use such a wallet if you're using... Um, you might as well use a traditional bank. You know, it's, yeah. it doesn't really make a difference. If you're using a crypto wallet to store your crypto, um, yeah. use a, a non-custodial wallet. Um, and that's a wallet where you hold the private key. So you're the person who has the, uh, the, the private key and can log into that wallet with your seed phrase or with your password, and you have access uh, to your funds, and you're the one who decides what to do with the money uh, and when to do it and how to do it. So basically, yeah, I mean, if you're, with this said, I gave an example with an exchange. I didn't mean that you don't use exchanges. Exchanges have their benefits, obviously. Um, that's not what I meant. I just, now I'm realizing maybe that was not the best example. <laughs> I guess maybe what you could do is have some money which you're using for your daily transaction if you're into uh, heavy trans, uh, if you are doing daily transactions, for example. You yeah. could put some amount of money onto the exchange because it facilitates your uh, transaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it absolutely. Keep it uh, offline and things like that. I, I would recommend that, yeah, and that's what I do myself. You know, the the, the money that you need for day-to-day -day transactions and for day trading yeah. or exchanging one crypto into another, uh, mm -hmm. of course, you keep it on the you keep it on on an exchange, but uh, of course, uh, the money that you just want to keep and and not touch and you know use as a store of value, then it's best to keep them uh, on a uh, on a wallet that you hold the access to, and also um, you can also use a hardware wallet because we have software and hardware wallets wallets as well. The benefits of hardware wallets is that the key is kept on the on the design uh, on the device, so unless it's connected to the computer, then you're safe. Basically, your yeah, your money yeah. is safe. It's it's much harder to hack. And then, um, you, if you happen to lose your hardware device, you can just buy another one and restore the uh, the previous wallet from the from the lost device with your seed phrase and still regain access to your funds, not lose the money. Because if you're using, for example, a software wallet, say MetaMask, you're using MetaMask and you lose your private key. And that money is gone, basically. It's just mm -hmm. as good. Yeah. You can't, if you can't access it, nobody can. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just frozen somewhere there um, on the blockchain and, and you can't really access it. So this is uh, this is something that, yeah, that people should, should have in mind when they're choosing a wallet. Uh, choose a wallet that... Um, is secure enough that is uh, that will help you preserve the money. Obviously, depending on what you plan to do with the wallet, MetaMask is is not always a bad choice. It could be a good option. Um, hardware wallets like Trezor and Ledger uh, are obviously the best option for keeping uh, cryptocurrency long term. 
Uh, and the other thing is that Trezor and Ledger can be connected to uh, software wallets as well. For example, I can connect my my Ledger to my MetaMask and transact oh. with Ledger via MetaMask, kind of like use MetaMask yeah. as an interface yeah. uh, for the Ledger. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I mean, I know it's um, it's probably going to sound a little bit cynical, but if people want to use the best of the both worlds, uh, Ambire Wallet is a very good option <laughs> because in Ambire it's a it's a wallet where people have access to their money, but they can also connect connect the hardware wallet yeah. uh, and and have that extra layer of security uh, to their to their Ambire Wallet, so you can just basically add Ledger or Trezor uh, as a signer uh, and have that security as well. Uh, so so that's good. But yeah, basically you have custodial versus non-custodial wallets. You have software versus hardware. Um, and I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to make a recommendation on which of them is the best option because that would depend on the needs of the user. Obviously, if you're trading every day, you can, you can keep your money in MetaMask uh, for easy access, or you can use them on, uh, you can keep them on a hardware wallet that you connect to uh, exchanges or and especially decentralized exchanges, the so-called DEXs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you never basically lose uh, access to your money. It, it's always in your own custody. Yeah. yeah. So getting on to the Empire Wallet, right? So I understand, I mean, that your website talks about the first native DeFi wallet in the industry. Yeah. Am um, I correct or did I miss out something? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, what what Empire Wallet does is basically uh, it it caters to two main audiences. The one or the one audience we already talked about. This is the non crypto people who are just mm-hmm. getting into crypto. Yeah. This is an excellent starter wallet for them, but also a great option for people who are familiar with crypto, hold crypto, maybe have traded or just hold it as a store of value, uh, and have heard of DeFi, decentralized finance, and the different DeFi protocols, but have never really tipped their toes into that water. Because, again, DeFi is very complex. It requires a high level of understanding that could be a little bit scary uh, to a lot of people. And this is something that we do with Ambire. We kind of try to simplify that as well uh, and give people access to DeFi protocols within the wallet. Uh, The wallet would handle everything for them. And what people need to do is basically just um, uh, click a couple of times and have their money... Uh, deposited into the Aave lending protocol right now. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. going to be adding more DeFi protocols as we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the better yeah. version works with with Aave mm-hmm. uh, right now. Uh, so this is a great uh, a great way to first of all you get and you you can buy your crypto with fiat in the same in the same place in Ambar Wallet, and then mm-hmm. go to the earning or lending tab, and then invest this money and start earning interest on your crypto in just a few clicks. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you decided to go the traditional way, there would be so many confirmations, deploying identities and contracts and proxies, and it's going to cost you a lot of money, and it's going to cost you a lot of, of stress uh, as well because you know it gets at, at, at a certain level it gets stressful when you have a third consecutive warning on the same screen, you're like, okay, is this really worth it? Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, yes, it is worth it. You just need to be uh, vigilant. You need to be careful because it's your money that you know that you're dealing with. But with Empire Wallet, basically, this is simplified to an extent where you literally just go and click twice, and you have your money 
earning interest for you into a DeFi protocol. Okay. So I understand for the MBI model, you just need to have your email and a password. But how yes. does the KYC and the AML come out there? How do you take care of those factors? We don't really do any KYC at this point, and we don't do uh, AML because, again, this is you can consider Ambar Wallet an alternative to a DEX, kind of like it. it's on, it's on the same plane. Uh, mm. the, the same way a decentralized exchange doesn't ask for your data, it just asks you to connect your wallet. This mm. is this is the way we go. Basically, we don't collect any information about the users. Uh, you. Yeah, you can sign up with email, but if you decide, you can sign up without an email as well. Mm -hmm. You can create a MetaMask account or a Trezor or Ledger account um, yeah. and don't even disclose your email address yeah. if you if you wish uh, to remain anonymous to the Ambire team. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, we don't we don't really sorry, do email. Sorry to interrupt, Vanilla, because I might miss that. You said even anonymous to the Ambire team. But my understanding by reading some of the articles on uh, Empire is aren't isn't isn't it a DAO a decentralized uh, autonomous organization? So uh, the governance and. Yeah. There will be a DAO, but it doesn't. Uh, yeah, it hasn't okay. been launched yet. Okay. There will be a, a wallet DAO um, mm. that we will introduce soon, uh, and it's going to yeah. be the government, the governance uh, institution, so to say, quote unquote, uh, yeah. for the wallet. So basically, people who hold uh, wallet tokens will be able to uh, vote on proposals, uh, and um, in a way, determine the future direction of the Ambar wallet. Mm. So we're gonna have we have we're gonna have a DAO. We don't have it yet, but um, yeah, uh, that's that's coming very soon. And then for the time being, uh, it's uh, the Ambar team working on the wallet. Okay. And what protocol are you guys working on? Is it the um, or the... right now? Right now, uh, do you mean which network we're launched on? Or um... yeah. Yeah, yeah. right now, okay, so right now the wallet supports Ethereum, Polygon, Avalanche, and Binance Smart Chain. And okay. we'll be we'll be adding more uh, more networks as we go as well. Okay, good, good. Because, so I mean, a few years ago, sorry to interrupt you, but like, just again, a few years ago, uh, if you had a, a DAP or uh, any, you know, any blockchain app, it had to be on one network. Blockchain interoperability yeah, yeah, was yeah, not a thing. Yeah. Uh, and now it is a thing. So now we have bridges and it's kind of easy to get. I mean, it's not like super easy, but it's relatively yeah. easy to exactly to, to switch between networks and to transfer money from one network to the other. Mm. That wasn't that wasn't uh, a thing uh, just a couple of years ago. It wasn't available to us uh, as a technology, and now it is. So uh, now that we have it, uh, it makes no sense to restrict ourselves to one network. And obviously, Ethereum is the most popular one, but mm. it's also the most expensive one. Um, yeah. And it's much slower than Polygon, for example, where you have transaction costs that are just a fraction of the cost uh, on Ethereum, mm. and they take a fraction of the time. So uh, this is why our wallet is designed to support as many uh, as many networks as possible. Mm, great. And uh, you had, I, I saw this article about you have just launched your uh, token, the wallet token, right? We just announced it. Yeah, we just announced the token. We haven't launched it yet. Uh, we're going to launch it together with the launch of the with the official launch of the um, uh, wallet, uh, which again, as I said, it's going to be very very soon. Um, the wallet token will be available on Dexes uh, straight from the beginning. Uh, we're thinking of SushiSwap, um, maybe Uniswap as well, 
and uh, possibly on centralized exchanges as well. So the token will be um, will be available. We have um, a staking portal available for the for the other token that we already have, the ADX token. That's the token of yeah. the ad platform, uh, ad platform Amber ADX. And people who stake um, ADX are likely to get rewards. This is just a little bit of a centralization. Yeah, we're not we're not disclosing more details at this point, but Ampire, uh, ADX stakers uh, will most likely get some rewards in the wallet yeah. token as well, uh, because after all, they are part of our community and uh, they're you know they're the people who have been supporting Ampire addicts so that we can create so that we can we have the resources to create Ampire wallet as well. Um, so yeah, we have exciting times ahead ahead of us. Yeah, that's quite that sounds exciting actually. The whole thing. So thanks a lot, uh, Venina, for this, for your share and your time. And uh, I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Absolutely. I hope that this conversation uh, has been useful uh, to the audience of uh, the Blockchain Hustle. Um, I myself am, uh, am a subscriber of the podcast and enjoy it. And uh, yeah, if you're not, hit subscribe, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that, Venina. So, thank you for, for having me, me Nina. And, uh, you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And stay safe. Likewise, likewise. Stay safe. Bye. Okay, Cheers. Bye-bye.